and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Today, we are talking about Lovecraft County, Episode 4, A History of Violence, and we have LaRob Payton, who I will be calling LaBob for the rest of this show, <laughs> but his actual name is LaRob. Um, like I did. Yeah, people would have to double check. Like we had a house guest and we were roommates and like after like four days, she was like, what's his actual name? <laughs> it's okay. I equally call Sheree Shirley. So if I slip up and say Shirley, <laughs> audience, please know I am talking about Sheree. <laughs> Tell us about yourself, LaBob. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Labob. Um, I am a singer um, here in Chicago, but I'm also a, I don't, I don't even know what the word for it is. I'm an organizer and arts administrator. Um, I am the artistic director of a, an organization called Hearing in Color, which is an organization that aims to highlight music and composers and artists of color. Um, and we've got some exciting things happening. Feel free to check out our website, hearingincolor.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and tune into our upcoming virtual concert on September 26th at 4 p.m. Do you want them to follow you personally on any social media and which ones? Listen, follow me on Instagram if you, if you feel like you need to. I am, uh, you can find me at, at R-O-B-B, Payton, P-A-Y-T-O-N. Um, and you can find my Twitter by finding my Instagram because my Twitter name is really complicated. Or you can just search my name on Twitter. I'm sure it'll come up. But yeah, follow me. I talk about nothing on Twitter. But if you <laughs> like that, you might find that interesting. So all right so let's get down to it do we have any general thoughts on this episode or the series overall so far we're almost halfway through this was episode four so there's gonna be 10. my initial thought going into this one which is the same thought i have whenever i turn on my tv to catch up is why do i keep letting misha green play with my emotions every week every week i tune in and she's like i might terrify you i might traumatize you i'm definitely gonna confuse you though and i keep coming back <laughs> I feel like this series is very much like the Watchmen series because like that whole time up until like episode eight I was like what is happening I don't understand and then at eight, episode eight it's like ding and everything makes sense <laughs> yeah I feel like after the last episode I just accepted the fact that they're gonna keep giving us way too much information and then by like episode eight they're gonna be like and this is why we told you all those things in right. the first seven episodes I'm just kind of slowly and kind of impatiently waiting for the reveal because there is some stuff happening. It's like a hard class and nobody told me to take notes and like do quizzes and like get some cards together. Like we mm -hmm. all had to play like a study group to be like, what did we think we learned? Right. <laughs> exactly. We're getting that in this episode. Like they're, they're already like flashing back to like, hey, this is why this happened in episode one or two or whatever. So right. And there's no... It clear instructor to be like, yes, class, and this is what we're going to be studying today. It's just like, you figure out what you're supposed to take from this episode. <laughs> it's like one of those instructors who's like, everybody get into small groups and learn from each other. And it's like, no. 
Now I'm right. paying tuition. I need you to open that book and tell me something. <laughs> but part of me kind of enjoys that because it doesn't spoon feed the story to you. It makes you think about it, which a lot of shows, well, especially shows that aren't on HBO or Showtime or anything, um, mm-hmm. really, like, this is why we're telling this story. Do you understand? <laughs> yeah. And this one you kind of have to think about it a little more. I, I think I'm also in a place where I feel like the first two episodes went very well together. And then mm-hmm. the third episode was completely different in a way, especially that like whole middle section that we talked about where nothing seems yeah. like it's in this world. And then you have this, which is basically Indiana Jones, but with black people, <laughs> which I'm not mad about. Like I was right. reading Eric Thomas's recap today and I was like, yes, it is our <laughs> Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes. It does, yeah. it does kind of feel like each episode now is its own like m- movie. Cause like, yeah, like the third episode was very much a haunting, like haunting on Hill House or all those haunting movies that I can't think of right now. And then, like, this one was much more of the, like, adventure horror kind of situation. All right. You ready to get down to the specifics of the episode? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. So we open on Little Montrose, and he is going through it. I, I did think it was interesting how they, like, played the radio station of, like, them talking about the Cold War on top of him, like, clearly upset and, like, freaking out and stuff. I thought it was a really interesting setting of the tone right at the, get the start of the show. Yeah, it's it's interesting how they continue to tell us when this is happening by inserting those little, like, eggs like that. Mm-hmm. But then they equally, like, confuse us by adding, like, other things that's like, is this at that time? I'm confused. Are we traveling? How many, how much time has passed here? How many days does it we take to walk know. from Boston to Chicago? Seriously, we have no idea, because in their time, it happened in, it happened in an hour. <laughs> We don't really know how much he knows of what's going on because he's clearly hiding some stuff. Well, one, he has the book, the the like uh, the rule book. That's not the right word, but <laughs> yeah, the Order of the Ancient Dawn book. He's yeah. got it. He's reading it, but he's also reliving conversations with George, who was killed too soon, Courtney B. Vance. And I don't think that Tick is his son. I think he has doubt. But it's wrapped up in all of this other stuff swirling around at the top of this episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly confused about the importance of either character. I don't know who's more important to Dick. Is it Uncle George or is it Montrose and why? Because Montrose seems to have the information about the ancient Dawn people, and George seems to have the information about Kit. So now that George is gone, who I, I don't right. And there was that moment as he was dying when he's when George told him, "You may you're you're all Tick's gonna have." Right. And I'm actually, I'm just gonna say it. I'm I'm kind of suspicious that maybe Montrose is not Tick father. Okay. I'm just gonna put that out there. I don't think he is. And I'll get yeah. to more of my suspicions later on. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's part also of was my like reasoning. Go ahead, Trey. I think it's also why he's such a bad father. Like he's a bad person in general right. but he's mm-hmm. very unengaged and very abusive um, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is like the, when they found him and saved him his first thing was to be like why the hell would you save me and I was like you literally that's that's the first <laughs> <And> thing <laughs> thank you thank you I, I think we need to really kind of touch that because why was he there how long was he there and why was he so unenthused about being saved that strikes problems for me especially in this opening scene where we see him reading the book being frustrated with what he's reading and then ultimately burning it I'm like what 
what do you know that causes you to be this upset about this information? Because nobody else knows what's going on. You know something. And it pissed me off because I was like, this is the one book that could give us, give Tick and Letty answers and you just burned it. Yes. He's the most worthless, selfish character. And when they kill him, all that information is going to die with him. And I'm really mad about it. If Uncle George had had the info, he would have shared it. Right. Exactly. exactly. Um, and in this montage of, of them replaying conversations with George, they also play some snippets of the father and like yelling at Montrose to stop, essentially drawing or reading or whatever. Um, so I think abuse is going to be a big part of his storyline. We'll see how yeah. it goes. Because right now, I'm not a fan. Uh, <laughs> I guess I, I, I just want to say, just another another little tidbit about the show that I really love as it pertains to like time and things. I, I'm a music person, everybody, so I'm sorry in advance. You're going to hear a lot of things in reference to music in this episode, probably. But I love the way that they include modern music in this show, and I know that people feel mixed feelings about it because they're unclear about what time it sets us in and, and things, but I think that they're using it so appropriately. The specific song choices that they use really tell you what the theme coming is about be about. For example, in the last episode when Letty was mashing the cars after being so frustrated and really just fed up with like the white people in the neighborhood, they played uh, Dorinda Clark Cole, Cole Everything That the Devil Told God's Giving It Back which is a gospel hit and it's super smashing and she literally is just busting windows and she's pissed and she's ready to claim back her territory. Um, and then in this episode, in this next scene, as I call her the white witch because I can't stand to remember if her name. I can't stand to yeah, I don't know if her name is Christine or Christina. Christine. She's just gonna be the White Witch. I'm down with the White Witch, but her name is Christina. So if we get done got with it, okay, okay. So Christina, she's on her way to Letty's house, and all we hear Rihanna's "Bitch Better Have My Money," yes. and it's just so like perfect because you know she's on the way to Letty to be like, so I know you don't know this, but you owe me. Right. So yeah, uh, I love it. I yes, I did love. I love that song and I love that moment. And but I. I had a question. Does her invulnerability cause her to stop not getting speeding tickets? Because that bitch was driving like a maniac. That's her privilege. I was like, girl, you're going to kill somebody. It's trying to like, it looked like a museum or something. There's people on the side of the road. I was like, this ain't Grand Theft Auto. I was looking for stop signs and traffic lights. There were none. There That's were none. Like, <laughs> I just think it's funny that she rolls onto Letty's porch with that same energy, not knowing who she'd be with after all these run-ins with exactly. Letty. I don't know why she didn't get it because Letty definitely was like, um, excuse me, you might have paid for this house, but my name <laughs> is up on this letter, so get the fuck off my porch. <laughs> it did crack me up that when she walks out there and she's like, about to walk up in this house like she owns it, and she slams up against the porch <laughs> like a flower on windshield. <laughs> Yes, yes. Which lets us know that she's something super, super natural, not just like invincible witch, but right. like, is she dead? Is she evil? I mean, we know she's evil, but how evil right. is she? Yeah. Right. right. She did not cross the threshold. I honestly feel like, and I know we'll, we'll probably get to this a little bit later about her typically, but I feel like this episode more than the previous three helped me to clarify her, some of her intentions, maybe? Because I wasn't sure if she was a good or bad person in the last three episodes. This episode, I was like, mm, 
and she she up to something nasty, oh, and I don't like it. Because a lot of what we've thought in the last few episodes, I was like, oh, that was right. Because mm-hmm. like later on, what's well, in the next connecting? But um, Letty has the real or Tick has the realization that that he was she was using him to kill her dad, mm-hmm. so that she could get that right. Still, spell. So, right. Ding, ding, ding. She put her hands clean. Yeah, something's up with with this white witch. Just like a white woman. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I have a question. Yeah. What is the deal with this orrery? What's the deal with this solar system? What is going on? I, Why is that so important to this white witch? I, all I know is I appreciate that it makes sense because we know... Hippolyta. Hippolyta. Hippolyta, thank you. Um, is into the stars and the moons. So clearly she about to be super important to the story if that's what we do in now with solar systems. Well, I think but I don't know what it had to do with anything else. I think also kind of hints at, because H.P. Lovecraft kind of has a supernatural alien sci-fi mixed with like monster horror into the idea mm-hmm. of what his horror is. So I think it kind of mm-hmm. brings in the celestial galaxy idea visually yeah. the show. I also, and I also think when it when it does go to this scene with Alita and this, this solar system thing, I, and I think this is because of you, Sheree. I, listen y'all, I lived with Sheree for two years, which might not be a lot, but Sheree is a phenomenal writer. And now every time I watch a show, I pay attention so much to what people say, and and it's because of Sheree. I'm, I'm I know it's because of you. And so Hippolyta is on the phone with I assume her dad, and she and they say it's a solar system, and it's not the solar system or our solar system. So I'm like, okay, this solar system is important to Christina, but it's it's potentially not our solar system. So is this a? And then she talks about time travel later, and so it's like, what? Where are they putting us? Where are they about to go with all of this? I was also like, huh? A, not the, da, <laughs> plural, plural? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wasn't um, it last week that we talked about uh, the part of H.P. Lovecraft's idea was that there are multiple, there are a lot of times it plays with parallel universes. So we could be going somewhere in that direction, possibly. I did true, like yeah. that it clarified that she had the uh, solar system thing. Uh, I hate mm-hmm. that word, or- orrery. It's such a hard orrery. word. Orrery, yeah, it's weird. I I had to look it up. I was like, is this even, what are they even saying? Orrery? What is orrery? That sounds wrong. <laughs> but I did like that it, it, it explained more about what happened to Hippolyta in that section of the last episode that she goes in that room and then we just cut away and we don't see what happened. <laughs> <laughs> She's yeah. still in trouble. <laughs> well, I think because er, later in the scene, yes, because it's later when Christina is with the police officer, she says that Hiram's ghosts were hiding his orrery. Um, and so I think they figured, they thought, shit's about to go down. We're going to, because they opened that door for her and mm. then it's just sitting there. And so I think someone, somehow there was a note or something that was like, take me home or protect me or something. Hmm. I think the ghosts gave it to Hippolyta to keep it safe. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought of that, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The, huh. yeah, that, that line, is, again, talking about what people say, that line right. that Christina says, the ghosts were there to, were protecting his orrery. Right. Made me think. Right, yeah. And yeah, who who better to protect it than Hippolyta? Because she's clearly in system solar shit. Mm. Truly, truly. Yeah. She's one of my favorites. She is. Love her. Really, all of the women in the show are fantastic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Even though Ruby makes some questionable decisions later in this episode, but we'll get there. <laughs> I, mean, I don't blame her, but they're questionable. Okay. Okay. Mm. So. <laughs> So then we go to Letty storming into the library, which I love this because that little boy, 
<laughs> oh my goodness. This little give boy. Him give him his he Emmys. He needs awards. He just wants to read in peace, and they will not shut up, okay? He is pissed. as hell, and she is basically <laughs> screaming in this guy's library. <laughs> I saw so much of myself in him. I just wanted him to be able to finish his book. Like, that's yes. all I wanted. <laughs> um, yes, I so, yeah, that. Letty storms into this library, and she sees Tick is, is like, researching stuff. Um, and this is where Tick tells her that he was the Trojan horse to get uh, Christina, or the White Witch, um, her invulnerability. Right. Um, yeah. Letty also clocks the bag that he has, because he was going to kill the White Witch and just skip to him without talking to her. Mm-hmm, Which, right. I'm at this point, like, cut him. Because, like, they never talked about the seven seconds in purgatory they had in that bathroom. Seven seconds of purgatory and he's all like <laughs> I can never talk to you about it again but I'm gonna live in your house and I'm like oh hell no yeah. <laughs> Tick in this episode really kind of kicked me off because I was done with him from the moment that we find out that he you know when Letty finds out that he was about to kill the white witch and she storms in and he's doing all this research I was like Tick you're just making the wrong move at every turn he's just and... very, he's very selfish and very like I'm the I'm the only one that can do this no one else right can. Right, right. And clearly, clearly, exactly. Listen, maybe they are related because (laughs) this selfishness and I got to figure this out by my, listen. But clearly he doesn't have all the answers because Letty is clearly the brain in this situation. She she like goes over to him and then like he's reading these books and I honestly feel like they didn't explicitly show this, but I feel like Letty probably looked at the book and immediately checked who had checked the book out. And then she was like, yeah, your, your mantra is probably researching the same thing. Um, yeah, so her for her to figure that out and then for Tick to figure it out like five minutes later after she leaves, I was like, boy, you don't. You just don't. I feel like Tick is a Taurus. Hey, you live a Taurus He just like, he read it to books like, I'm gonna learn something. And it's like, how, or how about you just like, maybe like read the room. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, we also kind of get that idea, like, because yes, definitely Montrose is like, I can handle this by myself. But Uncle George does that as well, because when Hippolyta is like, let me go with you, he's like, no, it's too dangerous for you, woman. You must stay True. in the house where it is safe. <laughs> <laughs> this, this whole show is a commentary on how women are better than men, period. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's all horror, really. Because when I think <laughs> of my favorite horror, not killer characters, it's all women. <laughs> Yep, yep. A few men, if there if there are any. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So then, do we go straight from there to the to the restaurant? Yeah, because he walks in and Letty's already talking to his dad because he's always nine days behind her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "I told you to stay out of it," which I mean, so. <laughs> <laughs> you should know by your own DNA that I'm not gonna stay out of it. Yeah. <laughs> that Montrose is yeah. being real fucking like um, we're not gonna talk about this. I don't. But understand. he, it's funny because. Because he is equally, we don't need to talk about this, but also I'm going to accidentally spill the beans every time I open my mouth. <laughs> like, I was like, Montrose, do you want us to know or not? Because you're telling us that you know everything. He is probably three bottles in. Let's be real. This is this is like 5 p.m. real time. He starts drinking at like nine. So. <laughs> 
like I feel like it's easier to keep secrets when you've been drinking, but also we know that he like passes out. So perhaps right. during that phase of his drinking day, he wakes yeah. up drinking with the voices in his head, reliving all of his past, <laughs> and then he like passes out at some point and just repeats. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, obviously Letty sees that Montrose has checked out all the same books that Dick is looking at, and then they get to this thing, and Montrose is again filling the beans, and he's like, "We already got one lodge that's like after us now. You want the other 34 And everybody at the table is like, "How do you know there's 34 lodge? What are you talking about?" Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. What was that? Did you say 34? <laughs> and then he's like, "Uh, I don't know." <laughs> I'm like, Montrose, what? You can't give that specific information and then backtrack to say you don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. Hey, did, did anyone else clock? Because I couldn't figure it out. So Tick storms off and Letty starts to, but then Montrose says something to her that makes her turn. He says, do you have family in Boston or something like something about Boston mm-hmm. as she turns around? Because then we go directly to them packing go to Boston. Right. It's, I think he says, like, do you have family in Boston? Because obviously that's where they're going to need to go right. in order to find what Tick is looking for. Because somehow but she says, this. Somehow he knows. Yeah. And Letty says, you're going to let him, what did she say? You're going to let him walk into the same trap that you, walk into a trap that you already know or something like that. And I was you like, already know all the information for you. You're just going to let him come into this. Right, right. I was like, let see, Letty be known. She be known. Yeah, this is her redemption episode from last week when we're like, what are you doing, Letty? Why are you buying on it? <laughs> <laughs> she wanted a vacation and she can't have it because all these other fools don't know. Exactly. She's got to save the world again. <laughs> Oh, no, wait. Next we go to uh, the White Witch playing tag with these little childrens, which I don't understand. Why is she playing with kids in the first place? What I caught is that, like, they were like, why don't you know the rules? It's like, this is the first time I've ever played. Ha, ha, ha. I'm like, well, evil lady, did you not have a childhood? Did you not have other kids in the neighborhood? Were you just magic into the world? Like, maybe in a Buffy like, situation? Maybe this is mm-hmm. like that, that scene in Watchmen where he makes those people, and they, their children one day, and, like, adult in five hours. It would explain a lot of her rationale, because she is not a fully formed person. Right. And so, like, I, I didn't take that as we're putting that in there so you feel sorry for her so much as that's part of her backstory that we don't right, have. Right. So she's saying that's her father, but, like, we also know he was, like, of that whole give the bitches ribs and things and feed the people and grow the people. So perhaps, right. perhaps she is not <laughs> a human being on top of all other stuff. Right. She's got to be some sort of something because I'm still struggling to understand her purpose in life at this point. <laughs> I need her to find herself so I know who she is. <laughs> exactly. So then, yeah. Uh, then the two cops show up and, and she <sighs> goes with them. I guess she's... Can I just, I just want to commend Lovecraft Country for depicting the police in this way in every episode so far. Every time the police show up, shit is bad. And that's real. We want realistic. And that's real. Thank you, Lovecraft Country. Another thing that I've been clocking throughout every episode is that they show that, well, clearly, segregation and, like, the racism of the South is a huge fucking problem. But it's not, Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes in our history classes, we tend to think that that uh, racism was just a southern thing. You know what I mean? Like that there was no racism in the north. It was perfect. You, you know, they, they right. there was no segregation. So we all just got along, right? But I like mm-hmm. that they showed that the the underbelly of that as well. They right. didn't just say, oh, they're in Chicago or oh, they're in Boston. So it's fine now. So anyway, so she goes with the cops to this like looks like a secret hideout for the cop man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not about location. You gotta like do some of your underhanded stuff 
<laughs> away from your other underhanded stuff. Like, right. He's he's invested in his like evil deeds. Right. <laughs> like diversifying. Clock that the door to go into his office was not like a door. It was like the 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 bookcase came out and like yeah, it was like a secret hideaway office. Yeah, yeah some something. I mean, just the fact that she's even in with the cop just threw me. Period. Because I was like, I thought you were again. Because in the first episode, it seemed like she was trying to help get away from these bad people, but now in the first episode, she was trying to stop them from regular everyday non-cop races. Ooh. However, she'd been helping the cop races the whole time, which I clocked when Letty was picked up in that van in the last episode and he wanted to talk to her about her real estate. Ooh, <laughs> and then we found out she was paying for the house. And I was that's like, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's more with her and this cop, this particular cop, man. I don't know that it's necessarily that she's with them. She's just not against them. Mm. I think they smacked each other's backs. Yeah. Oh, right. Because, I mean, she they weren't friendly. Their conversation wasn't like, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Let's have some tea. No, he was like, you're a bitch. She was like, well, you're stupid. <laughs> yeah. Right. But they're not money in his pocket gonna... and he's doing a job for them. So, yeah. I yeah, think. definitely. Are we, um, first of all, yes to whatever this relationship is between her and this police officer because they were talking about Uncle Hiram, Hiram, like they were family members. I mean, they were like, well, yeah, and you know, we got to get his horse back and the <laughs> ghost of Uncle Hiram and Hiram. We just really need, and I was like, is this a family member of y'all? Why are you talking about him so familiar? He's a goat. I don't think, well, for the cop, the cop was the one that would kidnap the black people and mm. give them to Hiram for his experiment. Mm. And so he was like his henchman or like underling. With her, I think she's using them like she used Tick mm. to get to her whatever her greater in, ends are, which I don't think are good, but right. they're not necessarily aligned with what the cop is doing. Because mm-hmm. as, um, I think it was you, LaRob, mentioned, um, there's some weird moaning happening, and I clocked that yeah. too. Yeah. And I in was, this closet, like, what was that? Are, and why, you know, they keep doing this and doing these, like, little things that we're supposed to maybe ignore, but I was like, those are moans and groans in that closet. Somebody, and probably some black body, is in that closet suffering and she just peeked in there and walked away. Is he I swear. <laughs> yeah, listen, like I said earlier, I this episode solidified to me that I can't trust this out. I can't <laughs> trust her. Nope. So, oh, and we also find out that she wants the, the orrery because somehow it's a key to Hiram or to, was it Hiram's or was it the other dude's uh, time machine? I think it, I think it's the other dude, the, the Titus dude. Uh, yeah, the old olden times dude. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's something about time time traveling that's gonna happen, which again, probably goes back to this whole like other planet thing and I feel like they're about to take us somewhere later down the line that we're all not ready for, but we're going to watch it because that's what we're going to do. I would not be surprised if the last episode, they just appeared in my living room. I'd be like, yep, that's ends. Thanks, Misha. Yep, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And they sure. drink Cthulhu with them. And you're like, well, this is the end. Yeah, I was like, well, it is 2020. I kind of could see this happening. <laughs> I should have seen it coming. I'm sorry I was not prepared. <laughs> right. So yeah. then we go to them packing to go to Boston. And Letty and Tick are having their little lover's childish spat. <sighs> Again, Tick especially, but this scene where Letty and Tick are having this little childish love tappy, pushing each other, pushing the luggage in. I was like, y'all need to go away. I'm tired. Like, get it over with. Like, seriously. Go to the bathroom. It'll take seven seconds and you'll be fine. Right. Or will they? (laughs) Seven seconds of purgatory didn't make anybody happier. 
<laughs> it clearly didn't because they're tussling and fussling and I'm just like, all right, all right. It's because I got unfinished business and Tiffany to look at Because <laughs> he only got one person to blame. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. he knows it too. He knows it. Yeah, I guess. And, and okay, so, and then this next part, <laughs> just it sent me. First of all, I need to say this. We need to give Anjanu Ellis her Agreed. Ms. Hippolyta, Hippolyta, she's amazing. She has been amazing. And people know, I remember her, actually, the first time I ever saw her was in Undercover Brother. Brother. She was the Black, like, agent in Undercover Brother. I couldn't Nobody her. remembers her from that. Yeah, that's her. This whole time. Damn it. <laughs> I'm shocked, Sheree. Usually, you know things before, I, way, way before I do. She looks familiar, but the show is still happening. And I know if I tried to like Google her, it would be like she's a mismatch episode. So I'd be like, "Well, she gonna die on this one." <laughs> so I haven't Googled her. But I was like, "Why is she familiar?" Yes, no, she's incredible. She is so good at acting. Her facial expressions, her body language, everything is so spot on. So when she walked into the scene and was like, "Here, put my luggage in the back. I'm getting in the car. Hey, bye." And everybody. Was like what 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 she didn't leave room for conversation she didn't ask any questions it does, she got in that car and was ready to go doesn't mm -hmm. somebody say something later on and she like gets out of the car and looks at him like get the fuck out yeah, of the car yeah she was like is there a problem is, is, <laughs> is everything all right because <laughs> i'm ready to go y'all y'all said we were leaving by what time <laughs> it's like ain't nobody else got a car except for her and y'all gonna try and leave her with a Right. Her car again. Especially when they yeah. go to the right. science museum. Like, you don't think she wants to go? Right. And the last time you took a car, you came back without her husband. So, like, exactly. clearly, you can't trust y'all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And if she didn't go this time, they wouldn't, she would, they would have come back without a car. Exactly. They would have had not for the magical white people in that mansion fixing Woody Listen. and then gaslighting Tick. <laughs> So. Yes. And also, what is it with everybody in the town needing to hitch a ride? I need to understand everybody. I mean, Tree just was like, oh, yeah, I need to go to Philadelphia this week. So uh, y'all going to Boston? I know that's out of the way, but it'll get me closer to over there. So let me just hop on in. Doesn't he say he needs to go because he has a Philly waiting for him? So essentially a woman. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he almost got hit by the car because he he literally ran out in front of him and had anybody <laughs> had like weaker reflexes, it would have been like, right. well, one less character. <laughs> she ain't right. nothing but a scrub, okay? <laughs> nothing but a scrub. So then we go to Ruby coming into the department store. This is mm -hmm. when LaCaylee 47's Money started playing, which I love that mm -hmm. song. But also it registered to me that aside from the Marilyn Manson, I think we're only pulling current stuff from Black Them. And I don't know why that's an intentional choice. I don't I don't want to go back and make sure that's an accurate thing because on some of the episodes are dramatic. But I mm -hmm. think that's what we're doing. I don't understand why it's all Black Femmes and then Marilyn Manson. Right. Oh, it's most, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do want to pull attention to this costume they put her in in this episode. Number one, it's gorgeous, hands down. Yep. We've talked about it. But I want to mention just the detail that the designer put in to making it different than every other time we've seen Ruby. Because every other time we've seen, and even in this episode, she's in those jewel tones that we talked about last episode, and she's really colorful and gorgeous. And this time, because she knows she's going into a white area, she has to tone that down. So she's still looking gorgeous. But but it's very muted. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought the that attention to that detail was just uh, right, yeah, it, and, that, and that was one of the things that I kind of saw too, was that she was walking into this department store. She's got to play this part now, like like she has money, which I think is one of the reasons why they played the song before. Got to appear like she's there 
and she deserves to be there. So she's got this really nice kind of businessy outfit on and she walks into this department store. Then she sees this black woman working and like her whole mood was like, what? what? <laughs> also looked younger than her which i'm sure that is part of like the frustration she was younger and lighter and applied on a whim and it i don't know it, it made me think about all the times in chicago where i'd work multiple part-time jobs with my three degrees <laughs> um so i could like dare to have food and pay rent um yep. <laughs> meanwhile people who have like one degree but happen to be white would just stroll in and get a full-time job and that's Ooh. so many institutions i'm not even gonna sit here because it's a lot of my resume but oh, yeah. <laughs> i clocked it and I felt double bad for Ruby because I was like, ooh, set it on fire. I'll give you an alibi because you might be in my time now. I don't know. Right. Right. But uh, then she kind of has this like revelation because I think Letty told her like this was an opportunity for her and she kind of, you know, passed that off as like whatever, that's not possible. And then she's in here, she sees this black woman working and she's like, uh, I hate to, like kind of like she hates to admit that Letty was right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then she also yeah. later on blames Letty because Letty right. backed her with the new house. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So it's like double-edged sword for Letty in this instance. I love Ruby, but I, I sometimes I'm not sure if I like Ruby. Like in the last one which was talking about being a race i'm gonna credit to her race and now she worked harder yeah. and that's why she's better than the rest and i was like "Ooh, honey 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 yeah and and it's like on one hand i'm i'm totally with her i think i feel the same way you feel sheree because she has worked hard she is talented she's beautiful and she's well educated she deserves to have everything she wants really but it is the fact that she's got a lot of um roadblocks that are not her own you know that are just she's born with she's dark-skinned she's a full-figured woman mm -hmm. and like people look at her and assume that she doesn't deserve a she doesn't have a place she doesn't deserve a place and so she's i mean rightfully so she's got like a chip on her shoulder and i think like it's just sad to see but i think that it's an excellent character to have in this show depicting these like different nuances of how this whole system of racism and monsters evidently like <laughs> play this part on this on these people's lives she is a really good juxtaposition between her and letty for sure mm -hmm. and i think that's why they're probably my two favorite characters because i think they're the most rich characters and the fact that they have they're very developed and they have multiple facets like you can love her like, I can love Ruby, and then in that moment, when she says a certain line, I'm like, oh, why did you say that? But I get why you said right. it. Uh. Yeah, yep, 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 exactly. I also appreciate that we only see her with women who look drastically different from her. So we can sort of see how society is pitting her against them and how her own, like, funneling of what society's throwing at her is pitting her against them. Because mm -hmm. that is something that definitely happens in any community where you're up for the same stuff, you want the same respect, and for some reason, there's that breakdown of why can't I achieve that why is it always right. and, and so there's that weird i'm happy for you but i'm jealous and i'm angry and so that is why she says some of the things but also it makes me go <laughs> yeah. yeah and also i think that with her and then and the girl that got the job like she's the girl that got the job is much more of a stereotypical specifically white idea of what a woman looks like she's shorter than ruby She's thinner than Ruby. She's lighter skinned than Ruby. Her hair is more, um, you know what I mean? Right like, here. yeah, mm -hmm. it's straighter than Ruby. That's, what, that's the word I was looking for. I've been drinking. Uh, but, or uh, Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then we go with the, everybody to the uh, museum, and it, it was interesting for the, for us to see 
a world that isn't segregated, at least not in the public spaces, because there is no, like the black and white people are all entering from the same entrance, which was kind mm. of an interesting thing, even though we see that racism is definitely in play because who is who has all the important jobs and who is the security guard? And then Tree comes up to Letty. And <laughs> Every time he walks on the scene, I'm just like, why are you here? <laughs> he just makes me so angry on sight. Because yeah. for people who don't know his name and the character yet together, he's the one who walked up to Tick last episode and was like, I used to tussle with Letty in high school. He's that fool. So yeah. there's residual rage. And we don't mm-hmm. know his name is Tree, I don't think, until this episode. Because he used it in his pickup line. The only good thing to come out of that pickup line is the way Letty shut him down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, she was like, yeah, I, apparently I should know that, right? Because we had she back in the day, right? She literally said, we fucked in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, no. That was repeated? Oh. <laughs> Um, and then from there, oh, and then he tries to like hitch on to Letty and Tick. Going, he's like, I don't want to see dinosaurs. And they're like, no. And he's like, well, I'll hitch on anyway. And Thank like, you. Goodbye. Just go away. Um, go away. And then we got a really sweet scene between Hippolyta and uh, Dee and the, um, I, forget, I forget what those rooms are called where they're, they're looking at the stars. It's like a, is it a planetarium? Yeah, that's yes. it. I am said aquarium. Okay. It was like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an aquarium, but it's a planetarium. <laughs> I thought it was so beautiful. I was like, dude, I'm, I, ha- I, I don't think I've been to the, the planetarium here in Chicago. I, I assume it's in the Museum of Science and Industry. I don't know. But um, it, it was gorgeous. I was like, I want to go to a planetarium when coronavirus is gone. Right. right. <laughs> I'll add that to the list. Uh, right. <laughs> So, but I, I love the moment where so she Hippolyta is telling Dee about how she named this comet, um, but the people that had the contest didn't want a little black girl to be the name, the face of their campaign or whatever. So they chose, they kept her name, but chose a Swedish girl to be the face. Mm-hmm. And um, Dee just so honestly says, she takes a minute, it's like a little pause, and she says, "Mama, you should have fought, you, you should have fought that, Mama." And I mm-hmm. was like, "We're really seeing generational change there. The fact that the mom didn't feel like she could at the time, but now the right. daughter is like, no, you." really should have. I don't know. It's just a really sweet moment, I thought. I mean, yeah. that still happens today, so I don't know the best phrase for it, but there's a lot of there's, that's just a common thread <laughs> in Black households is to be like, I was going to do this, but I was Black in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. And mm-hmm. so, like, I, I don't know what to call it, but it was a sweet moment. And it, yeah. It just felt, yeah. it felt, it felt nice amongst all the other shit that we had to deal with this show. <laughs> yeah, I did like this moment. So then we go to the, the Titus Braithwaite tour museum Ooh. part. Right. So we hear this woman talking about Titus who is evidently this like old ancient person who we're supposed to keep track of because he's the cause of all the Adam and he, he, I think cult. he began the, the, whatever it's called, the Sons of Adam, he began. Right, right. I thought it was funny, not funny, but I thought it was spot on that they said that he was given these artifacts in exchange for teaching savage tribes the ways of civilized man and I was like if that ain't an American history book how many times how many times have I been told that oh my goodness that sentence needs its own episode to just unpack that seriously (laughs) 
and to put it with the father in Get Out, who also experienced <laughs> other people's cultures, and it's a joke. right, right, right. Oh, I hated it. I was like, okay, so you mean stolen artifacts? Got it. Okay, great. Yeah. When they found the continent, I'm sure. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> it was lost. It was lost. Okay. Yeah. Couldn't see it. Like they needed Christopher Columbus to tell them what they were standing on. What? Right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Beautiful children's uh, Thanksgiving Day stories. It's like the Native Americans and the uh, uh, white people just loved each other so much that they sat down and ate food no. together. I'm like, that's not how it happened. That's not how it happened. <laughs> no. Revenge at its finest. <laughs> Adult. Adult. Oh, and this Ooh. is the moment when tree implies yes. Yeah. Hey, okay, so I flashback. I don't think we talked about this on the first episode. Maybe we did, and I forgot about it or cut it out or something. I don't remember. But when when Tick goes to find his father or looking for mm-hmm. the owner of the restaurant where his father was last seen, he is totally getting some head from a dude in the back alley. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. So you know, weirdness is happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Tree mentions that he that uh, Montrose and Sammy were getting close after Tick left. Right. Like <laughs> I it, listen. I the same motion that you're doing with your, your this hands on your forehead. Like I don't understand. That's me when he said this because I was like, this is completely left field. Why? Is this happening right now? So when he says this, I was like, first of all, I had to remember that first scene mm-hmm. where, you know, the owner of that bar, Sammy, is like getting head in the back and like, it's a dude, we see that. So then we assume, okay, Sammy's gay. That's that's cool. It doesn't seem like too many people have a problem with that. But then he implies that Montrose and Sammy have been getting close. And it's like, so not only is Montrose useless, but he's also like not being truthful about himself to take in this moment. Well, and I, it kind of made me go back to the abuse from the father figure in his past mm. and how that was it seemed like in some of the the dialogue between him and George that the father was trying to get him to stop doing certain actions or feeling certain ways and so I just think that that abuse and especially with dealing with being gay especially a gay black man in the 50s has just really made him jerk <laughs> You know, yeah. push every everyone away because if they ever get close to him and they find out, well, then he's screwed. Right. Because I mean, in Which... that scene with Sammy and the dude in the back alley, the dude as soon as that old door opens, that dude runs. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my other question is, if Montrose is gay as opposed to being like bi or something, mm-hmm. then Tick really is not his, which is probably why he was helping sell this lie so hard for this kid he doesn't like and this woman he clearly didn't have a good relationship with because yeah. he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna inherit a family as opposed to having one to make my father proud. Yeah. Right. And it and it goes back to that weird triangle between George Tick's mom and Montrose. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder because George seemed to blame himself for the abuse Montrose went through. Mm. Um, and it makes me wonder if there was a moment when George and I, do, do we know Tick's mom's name? Have they said it? I don't think so. I certainly don't know it. Um, well, anyways, uh, if if uh, George and Tick's mom had some kind of like love affair, but then George realized what Montrose was going through and knew that he needed a cover. I don't know. I don't. I may be reading way too much into this, but like, I don't know. It, it adds a whole other layer of like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> right. And they better give me more information than just like 
assumed queerness and then uh, right <laughs> well I, you know and then it just it cuts to um tick seeing montrose making this deal with the security guard right and then obviously we get that tick is now like his eyebrows are raised like hmm, what is actually going on there and then he asks montrose like how do you know that the security guard and why is he being so favorable to us all of a sudden mm-hmm. so yeah it, just, it definitely just raises some like questions for mm-hmm. everything and part of me hopes that they go into that a little more because it's still far too prevalent for people to be like oh lgbtq people are you know they're just they're so new they they've never been around you're like no they've been around since like the beginning of humanity (laughs) right right yeah but definitely but definitely to both of your points it adds a layer to Montrose that I think I need Mm -hmm. to understand what he's going through right now because right now I'm like Montrose if you Uh don't get it together sis (laughs) I'm gonna need you to get it all the way together you might be Sam but we might still have an issue (laughs) Right. <laughs> so this theory, this theory, Labob. I love this theory. Mm-hmm. I want to unpack this. Oh yeah, this one. Oh okay. So so okay. So this next scene that we see is this scene where the white witch pulls up to this house. There are people watching uh, her her pull up, and then she enters the house. And when she enters, almost immediately, her butler dude, who we, as far as I know, I don't know his name, if he has a name. We call he him, comes out. We call him not butler. <laughs> right, right, not butler. Because she was like, he's, he's a boy, he's a friend, sometimes though. And so he walks out, and then he like, gets rid of the people who are watching. And my question is, has Have we ever seen this white witch and her not butler together? Because I don't think we have. And and again, she did describe him as a boy and in a friend sometimes. But I I don't know. I just have this suspicion that they might be the same person, especially because her whole deal is that she's trying to like uh, elevate herself in this cult of men. And like, if she's, I mean, if she has these magical powers, I have no doubt that one of those magic powers could be shape shifting or making people think that she's a man or whatever. And so, she, and she needs to be a male person in order to be accepted into that weird cult. Mm-hmm. So when that scene happened, I was like, first of all, he came out of that door after her way too fast. I was like, there was no, there was nothing. There was no, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, there's some weird people out there. Can you go check on that for me? There was none of that. There was in, out, and he beat them people up and then went on about his business. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't know. That's just a weird theory that I have. I'm waiting for them to like bring that to light though i can see that i do think this is another scene that makes me believe that her and the police aren't friends that she's right she's using them because he comes out there and he says miss braithwaite does not like to be followed and beats the shit right Right. she's definitely not friends with anybody she's a user but i feel like she pays Mm -hmm. them for a service um (laughs) and i think you're right too Rob. i think that that is definitely a really interesting they look so similar. That had to be intentional. And I think it's because right. of the out here. They it did even wear the same color tones. Right. I <laughs> will say it did make me feel a little bit uncomfortable when we get to that scene where old boy is messing with Ruby. Mm. About to get to because it. I, because I got to go have a date. And I was like, who you got a date with? That's what I said. Right. I, I was, was like, like butler mm. who just survived a traumatic house collapse. <laughs> 
Why is you dating so soon? Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. There's something there, y'all. I don't know. So then we go back to the museum and they've broken in at night. And Tig just looks at the statue and he's like, that's definitely a door. And I'm like, how the fuck did he know that, that was a door? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even knock. I, he didn't listen. <laughs> he just said, that's a door. <laughs> yeah. I kind of love it, though. I kind of <laughs> love the way that they do that. They're just like, he's, it, it's kind of like this, like, sometimes it make, it feels like this cartoonish something. And this scene was definitely that. Because when Tick was like, this is a door, y'all. I was like, what in the Dexter's laboratory is going on right now? <laughs> and he was finally useful. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's something that was useful. Mm, I also want to mention that when Montrose comes down that rope ladder, that's me coming down a rope. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> He annoyed me so much. I was just like, if you don't stop screaming, I'm like, we have to be quiet. We only have a certain amount of time to do this. We're trying to be sneaky and you're yelling and screaming. We don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, LaRob, you and I don't need to be in this situation together. <laughs> <laughs> I would be the one. Like, what was that? <laughs> Are there spiders in this tunnel? <laughs> well, what's what's funny about it is I would also be that person. I'm just very <laughs> critical of it on TV. <laughs> Fair points. <laughs> so then they're all down there. Oh, and they figured out that these three tunnels have to do with um, Braithwaite's uh, expeditions or whatever. And of course, Letty is the one that figures out the direction they need to go in because. Right. She's everything. Literally. Yep. Figures it out. And also, why is Tick just like all of a sudden the person who wanted to go on this mission the most is all of a sudden afraid to go down this one tunnel? Did anyone else notice what was he looking at? He was looking at something when he was so afraid, and I couldn't place what it was. The weird thing on the wall, it's, yeah. it's gotta be a symbol for something he knows and we don't. Like so much right. else. Mm -hmm. But he's definitely 100% that person who's like, I want answers now. Don't tell me the truth. And so, like, <laughs> right. that's what it felt like. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was confused about that. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird moment. Uh, maybe we'll find out more later. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so then, then we go back to Ruby and she's in her emotions and mm. singing that song. Nobody claps. And she's like, fuck all y'all people. <laughs> and I was like, right. I've been there, girl. I've been in those moments where I just want to be like, fuck y'all audience, you clearly don't get it. <laughs> um, so yeah. Oh, and this is when we noticed that not Butler dude is at the bar with her and he right. bought her a drink. And I think that's where they end it in this moment. This is kind of a cut scene between what's going on with Ruby and what's going on in the tunnels. Yeah. So right. we have to go back and forth a lot on this one. The drink and they introduce themselves to each other and Ruby's very much not having it. She's like, right. she's like, but I'm a charming white man who's buying you alcohol. <laughs> and she's like, that don't work for me. Right. I kind of love it. She was a whole mood. I, I was here for this moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah but I am worried about her. I'm real worried about her. Oh, yeah. Nothing good comes from the cops and those white rich people. Nothing good comes from either of them. Nothing. Nothing. Um, all right. So then we go back to the tunnels. This mm -hmm. is when I need to know what their budget is for this show because these caves instantly get expensive. When we cut back, <laughs> it's a whole new, we just got another donor. <laughs> <laughs> it's, HBO, it's HBO. They got that subscription money. I did. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, Laurent, you caught the line: Freemasons or Freemans were never slaves. Oh yeah. So Montrose like set, gives a uh, lady this spiel about how you're gonna trust this rope because this rope is from the history of the freemen, and we've always 
trusted this rope and, and in slavery time we had this knot and you're going to trust it because of that. And so Letty naturally is like, you're right, I can do this. And she walks across and then Tick goes, the Freemans were never slaves. <laughs> and it's just like, Montrose, come on. I was rooting for you in that moment. You lied. <laughs> so worse. Um, but can we talk about how I would not have been able to do that balance beam shit? I am too, I can't do it. Well, what are going back no the I was so stressed this entire Seriously. scene. I was so stressed. <laughs> I would have instantly seen that and I would have been like, Mm-mm, this this is not the right one. We tried it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to let Christina know that we don't work for her now. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't, girl. Come on into the house. We'll let you sleep. We'll let you have a little walkthrough. Uh, so yeah, uh, Letty goes first and then she right. gets far enough that there's the, the blade that's coming down at the booby trap. And so she's flipping the fuck out, which I mean, same. <laughs> and then, uh, so Tick goes to Monster say her, is having a moment over there. Right. This whole thing is yeah. having a moment. <laughs> so Tick goes to save Letty, and he tells her that he unties her, which she, oh, and he's like, it's okay, you'll be, it's fine. She's like, you just untied the safety rope. How am I going to be fine? <laughs> Um, and so she get, but she gets through and she's fine. But then the fucking wood starts like, I don't know what it is. Disappearing. Disappearing. Yeah. It looked like, uh, what's the thing that, what's the bugs that eat the wood? <coughs> Termite. Yeah. It looked like termites coming on. And so. That or Thanos. And my, my thing is. Somebody snapped. <laughs> My thing is, Montrose, this wood is disappearing. Instead of screaming, let's move. Get on the wood. It's, it's time, girl. It's time to go. <laughs> you when, feel you What is the worst? When Tick gets him to move again, he throws the bag almost towards Tick. Right. And Tick, <laughs> in that moment, I was like, if you knock Tick off this damn right? wood of disappearing, I'm going to kill oh you. Right. And then to have the nerve to be like, you better catch me, boy. I was like, you should have already been on the plank. Why did you jump with the bag? Like, I, and then when he catches him, the foot, the, his feet are like sliding everywhere. And I'm like, is this ice spot or is ice, ice over? Why can't our feet? Yeah. Oh. So then they finally get through this thing, and um, they get to the point that... They don't get through yet before Letty has a line that sums up everything about this show. (laughs) Yes, Letty. So obviously, while Tick and Montrose are having their moment over there trying to figure out how to get Montrose scared ass across, (laughs) Letty is over there standing next to this swinging pendulum of death, and she's waiting for them, and she's like, what the fuck is happening over there? And when she said that, I was like, that's literally my mood for this entire series. Right? My entire series mood is, what the fuck is happening over there? If I would have live tweeted, all my tweets would be like, what the fuck is happening? What the fuck is happening? What the fuck is happening? At this point, and then, okay, they all get through the, the, the swinging blade, and then they look back for like two seconds, like, why? Go! You know what's happening. So I was right. like, and then we cut back to the bar where Ruby and Nod Butler are still drinking and hanging out. And the way she says half-sister when referring to Letty this time hits differently after Peter's theory last week. Mm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, that has more weight now. Yep, yeah. It definitely, and I, I remember listening to that episode and going, oh, yeah. yeah. And then hearing her say that this way, I was like, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> we need to go back just for a second, though, because they hit that wall at the end of the plank, and they have to hit these buttons in the right order. And finally, Montrose is like, okay, I guess I'll tell you this story now, uh, since we're going to save each other's lives. Um, and so, uh, and it's so, misog- this story is so misogynistic. It's like, <laughs> Adam fucked Eve, <laughs> Eve did something, God gave the monsters, and then God smited Eve, because it was all Eve's fault. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, it gets them like that. that. And then we go back to Ruby, trying to get this white boy off her tail. <laughs> <laughs> That phrase, Joe. I, and, I, and I have this, I have this quote because I watched, I watched this episode a few times, and the final time that I watched it, I watched the previews or the not the previews, but the recap from the last episode. And there's a scene where Ruby's like, "I don't have time for distractions," to Letty, <laughs> and then cut to this scene where she's messing with what? not Butler, dude. I'm like, I thought you didn't have time for distractions. And right before it cuts to them like fucking around, she says, "It ain't happening, white boy," and then cut and they fucking. I'm like, what? Happened? <laughs> never say never. What? I was so when I wrote this note, I was like, "Stop giving Marilyn Manson money," but mm. also. So with LaRob's theory, because like the last time we had Marilyn Manson, they were scrubbing takedown for that bullshit um, mm-hmm. in that house of white nonsense. So like, I, I kind of wonder if whenever... <laughs> that should have been the title <laughs> of episode two. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the house of white nonsense in the house of white nonsense <laughs> a biography um but, um, but like because Marilyn Manson is played again and like I said I think that he might be the only non-black them from current times they play and it's the because of the last time when we he was in that house and because of this time where we think that Butler might actually be like chaotic neutral Becky I, I'm wondering if perhaps whenever she's slash the butler's persona is doing something, Marilyn Manson's going to kick off. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. well, okay, so in order to look at the theory of them being the same person, something we need to look for if they ever have some sex scene with her, if she has that same brand. Because if she's got that same right. brand, they're the same person. Right, or yeah. Or whatever. I definitely saw that and I was like, Ruby girl, you done slept with the literal white devil. Come on now. Yeah, why did Come when when I, if, okay. If I'm having sex with a man and I take his shirt off and he's got, and he has not mentioned it to me, but he's got some weird brand on it. Okay, what is this? And if you ain't going to explain it to me, I'm out. To be fair though, (laughs) when they came in, she cut her head and he sucked her blood. So they're beyond asking questions. (laughs) Touche. True. 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 So, and they they just doing it on the stairs. Which can't be good for nobody's back. No, in the bedroom. They got this is a huge a house, house. At least twenty. It's a boarding house. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. What if a kid came out? Oh, <laughs> so um. All right. So then we go back to the tunnels, and Tig and Letty are finally like Montrose. What do you know? What? What? what why? How did you know all that shit? And he finally comes clean. I, like <sighs> about three I, I, hours too late. <laughs> Oh. Four episodes later. Right. <laughs> the actual name is Montrose. <laughs> <laughs> but like, why do people think that burning burning the book is gonna just uh, quit all your issues? No, you're just right. burning all your answers. You know, you right. know, you don't have any more information. I'm from the Midwest. People <laughs> burn them books, need them books the most. <laughs> they try to burn them in Arkansas too, bro. Hotter than everybody. Anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. And then obviously Tick was angry and angsty like a teenager. And I was just like, Tick, 
I'm tired of you and your emotions this episode, so I don't even care that you're upset at Montrose right now. I just need you to just walk away. <laughs> oh, so but the- I also love that Letty just like, she was just like, I'm gonna let y'all have this. I'm gonna I'm keep going. Cause gotta, clearly y'all are having a moment. I gotta, gotta move she, on. She was on topic. She was at them blinders. <laughs> well, also, right. she probably realized this water is rising. So they got to do something. Right. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, they start walking down these tunnels and they realize the water is getting higher and it dawns on them that in the beginning that says, uh, I forget the exact wording, but it has to do with the tide. And so as the tide comes in, it's going to eventually be nothing but water. Mm-hmm. Um, so they keep walking and suddenly they find a dead body that she is assuming is one of the racists that uh, broke into her house at the house guild. Right. She think it's weird. She's like, oh, I think this is this. Okay. Right. Moving on. So... Clue number one. Right. Then they walk a little bit further and then they see the elevator that is in her house. And I'm just, I'm like, does nobody, is nobody surprised <laughs> that they're in Boston right now? Right. And here is Letty's elevator. How long was that plane? <laughs> right? Right? Because like... Seriously. Because <laughs> I'm oh, not, I, you know, I'm not an expert on distance. But walking from Boston to Chicago seems like it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a while. (laughs) Amtrak makes it seem like it takes longer than they took them. (laughs) Right. So they magically made it back to Chicago and they're under Letty's house. Somehow. Somehow, some way, some HP HP racist Lovecraft way made it back to Chicago. (laughs) Maybe Stephen King came in and they're now magical black people. You know, who knows? Right. (laughs) I'm I'm creating a a through line. You see that, Sheree? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, yes, they figure out. Oh, and then Letty has the idea that uh, Hiram was a part of the cult and he was probably looking for the papers too. And then Montrose is like, yeah, it's probably what killed him. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Tick, the Montrose straight dude, is like, you you old man, you go, I got this. Me Tarzan. (laughs) Oh my God. He just, he has this savior complex that I need him to just set aside for a moment. Because what's funny is he has this savior complex, but then it turns out in every time that he has that, that nobody actually needs him. Yes. And then this moment where he's like, Letty, Montrose, you guys go. I'm going to figure it out. Letty's like, listen, I w- he was kidnapped. I was dead. I died. Can you stop acting like all of this is only happening to you? <laughs> and when she said that, I jumped up and like ran around my apartment. <laughs> I was like, yes, Letty, yes. Uh, yes, someone well, needed to place. Seriously, I keep having flashbacks to when she was like, I'm Letty fucking Lewis. <laughs> That's my favorite part of this series so far. My, <laughs> sit down, little girl. The name is not little girl. The name is Letty motherfucking Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I died. I died so yes. hard. Mm. So then they get to the wall that's got the, the, the lock on it, and they see the arm in the wall. I think that arm is Hiram's. See that? Yeah, that could, I can see that. It's his basement now. So <laughs> right. Did they ever say how he died? No. I don't think they did. If, if that's 
if that is Hiram that they are exercising in the previous episode, I need to go back and rewatch it and see if he has an arm. Ooh. If he's missing, if he's missing an arm. I don't remember. I can't remember. Well, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But anyways, so they pull yeah. up the, the arm and Tick's like, okay, I'm just going to put mine in there now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh. Super inappropriate and high key funny in this poor situation. <laughs> I'm, gonna be like, I'm gonna just like shove my fist in this hole and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> figures with the kung fu grips and so you click it and it's like punches <laughs> i was like don't go to you weren't like let us investigate this right remove this dead arm i'm gonna shove mine in and see what happens <laughs> so he does and then of course he's right. screaming from pain it never really says what it does to his arm because he pulls the arm out and his arm looks fine but he starts screaming and so they're all freaking out but then he's yeah. like wait it's fine it's fine and then they just walk <laughs> Like come through the, the like holes, and I'm like, what is going on? And so they, that unlocks the door because his blood is, of course, the, the key to everything. I was like, is there not a better way to put the blood in there? Like, could you not like do a little pinprick, like a blood test or right. blood sugar? Why well, I gotta stick my whole arm in there, mummy style, and <laughs> almost get it chopped off just to just open a door? This isn't fair. I'm supposed to have the special blood. Make it easy for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So, uh, and then that opened. So, trick, what, trick, uh, tricking your audience here. You think that that's going to open, but no, this like thing from the ceiling like flies open and a ladder falls down. Right. And <laughs> which was kind of genius, really, because I was like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Again, what is their budget for this episode? Seriously. <laughs> a lot. So they climb up this thing, and there's then there's like these mummy corpses everywhere, right? And yeah, yeah. Why did people die like because that one woman is clearly breastfeeding. Did she okay. just like I'm just gonna stay? I don't understand. I think I think they explain. I think the the one woman who we do meet in this scene, I think she explains why all those people, those skeletons, are there and who they are. Um, yeah, she. It doesn't understand. Like, why are their bodies in this? Like, I don't know. It just seems weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how. I don't know what Hiram did to to make them die. I just know that he promised her that she could be with them forever, and he killed them all and left her, <laughs> <laughs> which is messed up. True. What concerned me is when they find this person. It's just a naked corpse at a desk. <laughs> and I was like, is that how I go? I just work until I just fall down? Like, right. that's going to concern me. Because, like, was she reading for pleasure? Was this, like, another desk gig that she's going to get out of soon and, like, focus on her career? Right, right. <laughs> we don't know. And also, I was, I didn't know what was happening. I I thought, you know, they, they, they see this corpse lying and the corpse is kind of holding on to what I guess is the scrolls that they need. And then they try and grab the scrolls and here we go. Here's the mummy returns. This corpse is now reanimating. And I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, why are y'all still standing right there? <laughs> that reanimation fucked me up. Because, like, they reached for it and it started jerking and, like, pulling itself. And I was like, this corpse got an attitude. And, and, <laughs> and then it started growing skin while making all these weird shapes. And I was like, why am I still surprised by this show? <laughs> right. Are we going to find right. people? 
This is the one I, of the listen, times we actually see boobs be reanimated. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm I, the whole time. I was like, I'm still confused as to why they're all still standing right here. Because it ain't uh, this is happening. Because I would have jumped across that bridge again. I would have been way across the bridge already. But they stand there because in amazement because this body is being reanimated and coming back back to life. Right. So yeah, and she and so the uh, body reanimates to a Native American. And Labob, you know more about this whole because uh, yeah, I don't know that much about Native American history and all that. Well, I just I wanted to look. I just wanted to like get some sort of some sense of what was going on here because I, in the very little knowledge that I do have about some of the things that they were talking about in this scene, I was like, I feel like I need to know more before I like talk about this. And you know, obviously in this scene we pan to this body and it is a body with breath and a penis and everybody looking is like huh and obviously letty and montrose everybody's like what are you who are you what is this what's going on and she they start talking and um tick somehow probably because of his magical special blood is able to understand the language that she's speaking and he tells them she this is a two-spirit person um native american person and i knew I knew the, the, the I, really respect two spirit people. Like that's like a big right, right, and that's what that's what what I knew. I was like, okay, I know two spirit persons are highly respected in Native American culture, so I want to like do a little bit of research to figure out who this woman might be and why is she important here. And I just I looked it up and I found out that the language that she was speaking was a Native language called Arawak. I might have pronounced that wrong, but it was spoken by the Lacono people of South America, mostly in Venezuela and Guyana, which actually checks fact checks back to when letty says that um titus went on a voyage in south america probably to guyana pre-1810 before he created this cult so i was like oh, okay that's actually really cool that they were that specific in like the language and the native american people there uh, or the native people there um but again this two-spirit person obviously in today's context sometimes we understand that to mean uh, a sexuality or a sexual orientation of Native people. But back then, Two-Spirit was not really about sexual orientation. It was about, it was used to analyze gender, basically. And Two-Spirit people were doctors and mediators, and they were like spiritual leaders. So I was like, okay, well, this person is very important. Like this, this person was probably one of the spiritual leaders in the tribe um, or nation. And so, okay, I understand why um, Hiram or Titus might have like tried to keep them alive mm -hmm. to help with some spiritual stuff, you know? Well, and they tell um, uh, Tick that they kept, that Titus kept them to translate because right. they knew the language that the scrolls were written in. Mm -hmm. But then they realized that Titus was not a good person. Mm -hmm. um, and so they stopped and he said, or, and then Titus told them that if they would do it, he would bring their people back to them. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we get the people that are now dead with them in the, it looked like a ship. I don't know what it was supposed to, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I was confused. <laughs> it's like, I was like, are we, are we under the house? Are we in a boat? I don't know where we are anymore. <laughs> are we in a different... Are we in Chicago? Like... <laughs> 
a parallel universe, essentially. <laughs> so, <Yeah. clears throat> oh, and I did. I thought this moment was really cool that um, uh, the Native American person—they give her a name, but I or they give them a name, but I can't remember what it is. Um, mm. Anyway, uh, that but they tell Tick that he's not um, responsible for the crimes of his ancestors, but mm-hmm. that they don't know his spirit, so they're not going to help him. Right. I was like, that's okay. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Especially yeah. with what they've experienced with his ancestors, so. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I was like, that's fine. The fact that Tick was kind of, like, mad about it, I was like, sir, go figure it out. <laughs> like, yeah. Just be a good person to them, and then maybe they'll help you. But Right. Then the, then the end of this episode happened, and I was like, pissed. Anyway. Uh, but so, also, okay, so yeah, in this part, take like, you know, so they grab the scrolls, they realize that this native person is not going to help, so they're like, okay, let's grab the scrolls and go. They grab the scrolls, and then all hell breaks loose. The water is right, has risen, the tide is here, windows start busting, they got to get the hell out of there. And it still takes and, them like thir- five, ten seconds to get up and start moving. <laughs> right. And who decides, again, to try and save everybody that he possibly can? He grabs this Native person, and I'm like, they clearly were fine where they were. Why do you have to, why do you have to save everybody? Yeah. So now he's dragged her out of there with them. And then they get to the elevator, but then Letty uh, loses the scrolls, and so she has to swim back into the tunnel to get them. She always got to save them. And everything Always. Else. Truly. Always. Because she was in the back and nobody was like, those are our scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> they try to stop her. She's like, no, nah, bitch, I'm going to get this shit. We just need to die. To get I'm not going to let them float away. So, yeah. um, but she gets them and they get back into the uh, elevator and they start going up because it's magic. Magic <laughs> elevators and magic water. Nothing wrong there. It's game. And then can we talk about this cheesy, I'm going to speak for myself because I don't know how y'all feel about it, but this kiss that happened in this elevator, like, it was so cheesy to me. I just, I almost wanted to throw up. And then the music that was playing behind it was like, I was like, this is not the Little Mermaid. They were underwater, though. Oh. <laughs> like, okay, my thing is, because I love cheese. I love cheese. I'm, cheesy, <laughs> I'm cheesy as cheesy can come. But it, for me, it wasn't even cheesy. It was just awkward. Why is every romantic gesture that Tick does, like, out of the blue, no thought, Seriously. no, it's just like, going to the bathroom to fuck you on the, on the countertop, and I'm going to make out with you after we nearly died. Like, I don't... This felt more like a button to end this adventure because in these genre movies like Indiana Jones, it's like Harrison Ford just grabs her and kisses her because it was the 80s and what was consent. <laughs> and so like this is what this felt like to me as opposed to something these characters would actually do. And now that I'm saying that, I'm wondering if the reason these feel like different shows almost each episode is because I'm not well-versed in Lovecraft's books. And so perhaps Misha Green is like, working through different books and making them fit into this world together, as opposed mm. to these characters really go on all of these different adventures. Maybe right. there's other characters and other groupings or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah it, it, I did not enjoy that. It, it was forced. Um, it felt, okay, again, every time Tick tries to do something romantic or sexual, it feels assaulty. It it does. It's like it's kind of like his own his his like romance is fueled by his like adrenaline or like his desire to die i don't know like he 
he's got something going on that we need to unpack quick because I feel like it's going to get really dark soon. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but Letty did have that kind of vision in that, what was that, the second episode maybe? Yeah, that snake. vision with the snake. I don't know if she might have just foresaw something and I, I don't know. I don't think Letty is. Tell her to leave that one alone. That's right. <laughs> and I don't think Letty is like anti it happening. She would just right. like a little bit of like, hey, let's talk for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> take you on a date <laughs> right um so then we go to hippolyta and d in the car and d says d says how'd they get back to chicago without the car and like, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> see listen hippolyta is tired okay she's tired she's done with all of this she's tired of the lies i she was sick okay when she, when d was like how did they she was like look let's just not right now because <laughs> at least they didn't have tree with them okay at least she had that. <laughs> also right. in the tunnels <laughs> just right down there somewhere you got lost um so yeah well then and she sees that d has um george's atlas and decides, she turns around and decides she's going to go back to, uh, what's that place? What was that place called? Ar Ar Arbor? No. Devon, Devon County, I think is what, yeah. what we saw on the page was like Devon County, but I think it is Artem. Artem, yeah. Well, he um, lied to her about where they were going. And so when she sees that it was something else, that's another red flag for her to be like, oh, you bitches lying. But I'm worried right. about her. Because she got her yeah. daughter with her, and she going to drive through all them like sundown towns. And it's 1955. A, it could possibly still be 1955. I don't actually know. Right. It might, it be, might 2020. be 2020. <laughs> <laughs> she might get coronavirus. Who knows? Right? Listen. COVID shut this town down. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's real though, and it's definitely the first thing that I thought when she when she turned that car around. I was like, it's too late to be driving across the country into nowhere land. You don't know what's out there for you. Please. Please, we need you, Hippolyta. We need you. Mm -hmm. She's the keeper so. of the orrery at this point, and she needs right. But yeah. also, and, and I'm and I'm worried about if she shows up to that creepy uh, uh, Amish town that's outside of the building that per mm -hmm. like crashed. I don't. I'm just worried about her. Worried about her, yeah. and I'm worried about Ruby. I'm worried about them both. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ruby. Um, and so then we go to. Tick and Montrose talking in the hallway. Um, well, no, Tick leaves the Native American woman or Native American person um, mm -hmm. and tells um, <laughs> Montrose in the hallway that she has discovered. Oh, and the in the elevator, she like opens her mouth and it's just this like screeching sound. Right. Maybe maybe it is the Little Mermaid. We got sirens. We got random kisses underwater. Listen, well, yeah. Tick so ends up knocking her out in the elevator. Shut her up. <laughs> I was shocked by that. I was like, how are you going to make this romantic kiss and then punch this person in the face? Come That's on. So That's so tick. It is. Like, yes. I did something almost human-like. Let me go do something violent. Could he not have just said, <laughs> hey, can you not? <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he immediately resorted to punching her, punching them in the face. Yeah. I was like, this is so problematic. You are a trash person right now. 
Right. But not, but then he's okay with them. So, right. Um, and he's talking to them and they both come up with this idea that uh, Hiram put a purse on them. Or no, uh, not Hiram. Uh, Titus? Ti- yeah, Titus, whatever. Somebody. The, the racist olden times dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, put a curse on them. Every time they spoke, it would be a siren. Mm-hmm. And the and the Montrose is like, well, what are we gonna do with their do with them? And uh, Tick is like, well, maybe when they maybe we could teach them English, and they can help us. Uh, if we teach them English, maybe they will see that we have good spirits, and they will help us translate the text. Right. And they leave it at that. I'm pretty sure. And then Montrose goes in and fucking kills them, slashes the throat. Montrose is trash, and I can't be convinced otherwise at this point. Same. We literally reanim- reanimated them, saved them from drowning, let them have a bath, get comfortable, just to like slice them in the throat. <laughs> I could have left them down there minding their own business. Seriously. <laughs> and thriving. And also, so it seems like everybody's back in Letty's house now. Mm. So how much time has passed in this because obviously we don't know we don't understand the concept of of the elapsing of time in this show so my question is is ruby still fucking on the set with the white devil and why is letty not shown at the end of this episode is she discovering ruby getting fucked by the white devil on the set i have questions we didn't see we did not see letty at the end of that episode so maybe she, did, maybe she walked in on him my other thing <laughs> and said is- what in white hell is going on <laughs> Other thing is, Letty and Ruby are in this episode bringing around this whole nobody talks to each other, which is why shit keeps going down. Because right. Letty didn't say, hey, the people with the bad wigs, <laughs> they can't get in with this symbol on the door. And also, I exercise <laughs> all of our ghosts. You're welcome. But, she but, told her those things. <laughs> Maybe this wouldn't right, happen. Right. Who knows? But I guess it is clear that, that okay, again, going back to my theory about White Witch and Butler being the same person. So White Witch comes to Letty's house in the beginning of the episode, realizes that she can't get in there, and then cut to this part where Butler dude is now in the house with Ruby because Ruby done invited him in. So maybe they are the same person, and now White Witch Lady is inside the house now. Yes, because Butler never left the house before tonight and knew who Ruby was, where she was, what she looked like, what to say to her. And he was going on a date with her. Right? Right. Also, it's a good bookend, because like when you have a character start off with something, they can't get, they have to get it by the end of (laughs) this chapter or this book. Mm -hmm. They're the same person. Thank you for that theory. I won't believe anything else. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Well, I end this episode and I'm still worried about Ruby and I'm still worried about Hippolyta and D. So, but I'm going to watch it anyway. Every time. Every <laughs> time. And I keep letting you should do it to me. I, I keep, I seek her out. She's not coming here to find me. <laughs> I am doing this to myself. Um, right. All right, Trey. Do you want to say who, what we're doing next week? I mean, yes. Goodbye, LeBob. Thanks for having me, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, next week's guest is Kenya Ann Hall. We're just on like a whole roommate journey for me right now. <laughs> um, Kenya will be here to talk about the fifth episode next week, which puts us right, right in the middle of this mess. In the middle. 
And of course, thank you to LaRob for coming on. Um, again, make sure, uh, go ahead and plug your uh, organization and your concert coming up again, just for those who might have forgot it in the past hour or so that we've been talking. <laughs> sure. First, thank you both for having me. I love this podcast. I love what you guys are doing. Thank you for starting this. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, yes, follow Hearing in Color on um, Instagram and Facebook, hearingincolor.shy on Instagram, Hearing in Color on Facebook. We have an event on September 26th, um, so tune in. Otherwise, follow me at Rob Payton on Instagram or at C-R-I-T-O-N-I-C-I-Z-E, this, at, uh, on Twitter. You <laughs> feeling <laughs> real creative when you made that Twitter name. You didn't want to I told you it was complicated. <laughs> I told you it was complicated. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you stay fierce.